If you're able to stand, I want to encourage you to stand as we read God's word for us this morning. Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32. As I read this into your hearing, I want you to be listening in particular for the circumstances of what's going on in this man's life whenever he talks about his need for the Bible. Psalm 119, starting in verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. And I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me. And graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to consider, what do you do when you're down? What do you do when you're down? I have six other people who live with me in my house, my wife and five wonderful children, and I can tell you that when each one of us is down, we can deal with our sadness differently. And yet, um, there are probably ways that people respond when they're down that are maybe the most common ways that people respond when they're down. And many people cry. They don't, you know, do the wrong thing by stuffing, you know, their their feelings. Uh, they, they don't do the wrong thing by putting on a straight face or a brave face. And instead, they open up with tears. Other people, when, when they're down... Uh, maybe they don't cry out, but they reach out. They, they talk to a friend or a parent or a spouse or maybe, maybe to a professional. Others distract themselves when they're down. You know, they, they get busy with a project or You could say they put their head down into their work. Uh, Some 
whenever they're down, they, they, they prioritize doing something that will turn their mood around. And so they, they reach out for ice cream or they reach out for exercise, something that will change the mood. But we all get down. And, and I, I wonder, what is it you do most often when you're down? And have you ever slowed down to ask yourself, why do I do that? Should I do that? Well, the man of God in Psalm 119 is down. Look in verse 28, just just one example of this. He says, my soul is melting away with sorrow. It's this vivid picture of the soul almost being poured out like tears because of his sorrowful circumstances. This is a, a long song for the people of Israel. And, and what it's doing is it's recommending God's word as the solution for every occasion. And this portion is going beyond the question that I asked you about what, what are your habits that you've already established in your life for whenever you get down. And it goes to not just what do you do, but what should you do when you're down. Another way to put that is what, what should you do when you're down if what you're wanting is not to stay down, but to be lifted up. And so I'm calling the sermon Directions. When you're down. Directions. When you're down. I wonder. If God has helped you to realize what he's helped me to realize. And that is. What I do. Reflexively. Like what I automatically do. Habitually do whenever I'm down. It it doesn't necessarily help me. To get out of sadness. Well, Psalm 119 verses 25 through 32 can give you a message that will help you. And here it is. Don't let the word go, especially when you're low. That's the sermon in a sentence. The summary of what this portion of Psalm 119 is teaching us about our relationship with God's word. Don't let the word go, especially When you're low. These directions for when you're down, they they divide pretty neatly into these two sections. Each each one of them is is signaled by this phrase, my soul. You see it in verse twenty five, this reference to my soul clinging to the dust. And then again, in verse twenty eight, this recognition, my soul is melting away for sorrow. Those are signaling the beginning of a new section. And in the first one, the psalmist 
is telling us what he wants when he's down. And then secondly, he'll tell us what he does when he's down. So, point number one, what the psalmist wants when he's down is deliverance. And he learns that deliverance comes from the word. Point number one, verses 25 through 27 Deliverance comes from the word. Whenever you're you're down, this is something you need to believe that deliverance out of the depths will come to you from God through his word. Even before the, the psalmist asks exactly for what he wants, he tells us where he is in verse 25. He tells us he's in the dust. In other words, the the psalmist is as low as you can possibly get. He's down there where God put the serpent to lick the dust. He's down there at the lowest point. And... We're given some hints as to how it is he got so low. If you look right before our passage in verse 19, he he refers to himself as a sojourner on the earth. He's low because he is a person who trusts in the God of heaven. And therefore, his experience here on earth is is as one who is not really welcome here. He's an a stranger, he's an alien, he's a sojourner, he can't find home or comfort here. I wonder if you ever get low because of that. I mean, there is a, there is a sadness that comes to people who love the Lord and who are seeking even imperfectly to to please him with our life and and just just living that way will make you different and will make you unpopular like the psalmist is unpopular and here are some directions for you whenever you're down because of that he goes on right right before our passage in, in verses 21 through 23 to describe why it is that he's down he's He's experiencing scorn and contempt. The people around him hate him because he has kept the testimonies, the truths of God. Verse 23 says that there are princes who are plotting against him. That means there are powerful people, people around him that have more authority and more influence than he does, who are plotting against him or trying to bring misery to his life. The psalmist is down, not just because he's a godly man, but because he's a godly man, he is the target of the ungodly. Part of the directions for us whenever we're down, whenever we're down because those who don't love the Lord. Come against you. Because people. 
I wonder if you've experienced this. They they just get tired of you <laughs> telling them the truth. They get tired of you calling them to believe the truth. And they mistreat you. And that kind of experience can get so severe that your soul, which in the Bible is the deepest and truest part of who you are, is clinging to the dust. I think we're supposed to recognize in this language what what it is that we often hear whenever we're burying someone. Ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. What I'm saying is you're going to be most helped by this psalm if you understand when this psalm is for. It's directions for those moments when death is sticking to your soul. What the psalmist wants then and what you should want then and what I should want then is more than what Netflix and Facebook can give you. What we should want when we're down is more than the distraction of sugar and sex can give you. What we should want whenever we're down is more than a mood change that charity and chores could provide for us. When you're so down that death is clinging to you, what you should want is life. That's what he wants in verse 25. Deliverance. Deliverance from death. And it comes to the dying, he says, notice this in verse 25, it comes to the dying soul according to God's word. So we're stanza by stanza, Lord willing, at the beginning of every year, at some point during the year, we're going to go for 22 years <laughs> through the ABCs of our relationship with God's word. And and if you want to understand what your relationship should be like to God's word. We should look in God's word to what God does with his word. And, and, and we don't have to look very far. We can look at, at the very first page of the Bible to see what God does with his word. Genesis chapter 1 teaches us that whenever God's word goes out, life just goes everywhere. Something we need to remember about that when it's hardest to remember that. In Leviticus, we're told, if you will live by God's word, then you will get life from God's word. And so Psalm 119 verse 25 tells us, if, if we want life whenever we're down, then God's word better be opened up. Listen, listen to me. If you want to be delivered from darkness, if you want to be delivered from sadness, if you want to be delivered from 
the way that you're experiencing your suffering, whenever you are down, you better get God's word opened up. But that's not easy to do, is it? It's really obvious. It's right there in the text and it's just there all over the Bible, but it's not easy to do. Why is it when we're so low, we're really slow to open the Bible? Maybe it's just me. When I'm so low, I don't think I'm alone, though. When, whenever we're so low, we're also so slow. To come to church. I can, I can say that. And I'm paid to be here. And we can convince ourselves. Whenever we're really low. That the hardest thing in the world would be to be around. Not just people. But even God's people. Or, and we're tempted to believe. God in his compassion and his kindness. Part of, part of that would, would make him be understanding that when we're just too sad to go to church. And I, I just would, am thinking, now that I'm studying Psalm 119, that those thoughts that are very normal for me, those decisions that are very normal for me, may also be ideas from hell. I mean, look in verse 26. The psalmist is thinking about the goodness of God and how God in his kindness answered him whenever he was talking to God about his sadness. But notice what it is exactly that the psalmist wants. You see it in verse 26? What does he want when he's down? He wants teaching. He wants teaching. Verse 27, he wants understanding. Understanding specifically not about his circumstances. That's not what he's desperate for. He wants understanding of God's word. He wants to hear again in verse 27 about details about how wonderful God is whenever his life is really terrible. He wants to hear whenever his circumstances are terribly sad. How wonderfully good are the works of God. In other words. The very last thing. That we should do when we're low. Is stay home and veg out. The psalmist is telling us whenever your soul is down. Your mind needs teaching. He's telling us if, if you want to reshape your soul. You need a workout. 
But that workout is a workout in your mind. You need to, you need understanding. You need to think about God and you need someone else to help you to think about God. Has God revealed to you yet that it is specifically your Godless thoughts that keep you down when you're down? It is for me. If it is 10,000 to 20,000 words, we say, you know, uh, every day, whenever I'm down, I'm saying those 10,000 to 20,000 words to myself. And it's basically just a repeat of a few words. And they are godless words. When you're down, what will be natural for you is to meditate on your sadness And to mumble about your circumstances. And so I think what this is saying is the very best time to be low is whenever Sunday's close. And that's not naturally what I think. Don't let go of God's word, especially, beloved, when you are low. That is especially when you need to open your Bible. Let me, let me give you something really, really practical that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine this for me because I need it so badly. The next time you're low and every time you're low, especially when you're low, open the Bible. And maybe you don't know where to go. Go back to the passage we heard last Sunday. I don't mean just the book of Revelation because we heard that last Sunday. Whatever the last passage was. Because what the psalmist is saying is he needs Teaching. He needs to hear again and to think about and meditate, not upon the circumstances of his life, but on the wondrous works of God. So think back, what did God teach me just this last Sunday? And urgently open up your Bible to that. Or, if you're able to do it, when you are down, Listen to a sermon. I mean, one of the great blessings that we have now is that we can carry around our Bibles everywhere on our phones. We can carry around thousands of sermons and access lots of good teaching any time of the day. I mean, just yesterday, I was picking up groceries from Walmart, and the curbside guy was coming, and he said a few things to me, but he obviously had these ear pods in his in his ears. So even while he's working, he's able to do his job and listen to things. I wonder what he's listening to. What do you listen to? I'm really encouraged. Travis, whenever he has a, a commute, he's in the car a lot. And so he's listening, not primarily to podcasts. He's primarily listening to sermons. That is a good decision, brother. Uh, my wife, I can tell you, is regularly doing this. Turning to sermons whenever she's down. We need the word, beloved, especially when we're low. So the next time you're low, if you're not opening the Bible, uh, the passage that we looked at last Sunday, if you're not listening to a sermon, sing a really truth filled hymn because you need to be taught. You need to be reminded about the wondrous works of God. Have them ready on your On your phone, start a playlist that says, when I'm down. And shuffle through those. Or if you're someone who just 
feels the need to talk to someone, choose who you're going to talk to whenever you're down. Call up a brother in Christ. Call up a sister in Christ. And this is what you say. It's not just listen to me about what's happened to me. The psalmist says, I told God about what was happening to me. What you should tell to your brothers and sisters is, please remind me of the wondrous works of Jesus. Because my soul right now is sticking to the dirt. Don't let the word go. Especially when you're low. Amen. At this moment, I'm just wondering if any of it's getting through. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to do my part. Amen. Psalm 119 is what's called an acrostic poem. Uh, what I mean is, the reason I say this is the ABCs of your relationship with God's word is because each stanza um, is focused on one letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You see that at, at right before verse 25, you, you may have a note in your Bible that says Daleth, which is a he, the Hebrew D, the letter D. And each, each stanza starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. What, 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 what the psalmist has done for us in the, under the inspiration of the Spirit is, is telling us the truth beautifully. And and so um, I don't I don't normally tell you how the sausage gets made or how the sermons get made, but I, I I'm I'm just going to tell you I I was trying to stick with the mood of Psalm 119. I'm trying to fill this sermon with D's with the letter D, uh, and so I'm beginning each element of the sermon with the letter D. He's told us what he wants when he's down, and that is deliverance. But Secondly, the psalmist tells us what he does when he's down. And that is, don't let your devotion dip. Point number two, verses 28 through 32. Don't let your devotion dip when you're down. The psalmist is expressing... Devotion to the Lord. And he does that in two ways. He listens to God and he talks to God. I wonder if you ever wonder in a place like Graham, Texas, with all these people who call themselves Christians, who among us really is a Christian? Another way to ask that is, who is devoted to Jesus? To be a Christian is to be devoted Deep down inside to the Lord Jesus. And we just have to look at the psalm to know what that even means. It means the vital signs. If you're looking for vital signs, the life of a Christian in yourself and in the people around you, what you're looking for are people who 
listen to God. Who are devoted to his word is what I'm saying. And you're looking to people who talk to God. You're looking for people and you're looking to be a person who is devoted to prayer. And in these eight verses, we have seven prayers. So he's not letting his devotion dip, even though he's really down. Look back in verse 25. He prays, give me life according to your word. Verse 26, he prays, teach me your statutes. Verse 27, he prays, make me to understand the way of your precepts. Verse 28, he prays, strengthen me according to your word. Verse 29, he 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 has two prayers. He's not letting his devotion dip, even though he's really down. He says, put false ways far from me and also graciously teach me your law. And then in verse 31, the seventh prayer comes, let me not be put to shame. Because I'm clinging to your word. Here's a directive for you. For whenever you are down. Don't let your devotion dip. When you get down. Send prayers up. Send lots of prayers up. He just keeps on praying. Make this the very first thing you do. Is talk to the Lord. Even even as you're turning in the Bible. Maybe to that last passage. God taught you about his wonderful works. And ask him teach. Give me life according to this word. Pray. Beloved I'm, I'm trying to tell you. As, as a pastor. As a preacher. I'm still trying to apply. The main point from a sermon. Weeks ago in Mark chapter 9. When anything gets beyond you. Bring it to the Lord. I'm still trying to grow and doing that more and more and praying in the moment that something gets beyond me. And yet I'm instructed here by what it is. That the psalmist brings to the Lord what he's praised about. It's not just change my circumstances. And that's that's immediately the thing I'm thinking about whenever I'm inclined to to pray to the Lord whenever I'm down. He, he, he's not just saying, make me not sad anymore. Notice every single prayer that he prays in Psalm 119 is related to God speaking to him. And so just look in our section again in verse 28. My soul is melting away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And again, in verse 29, put false ways from me and then graciously teach me your law. He's begging the Lord to teach him. Graciously teach me your law. Tell me what you would have me do. Give me something to obey. And he fully understands this. He's saying, God, you don't owe me this. That's why he says graciously teach me your law. 
please give me the gift of telling me what you want me to do. My mind is filled with what I want to do and what I want other people to do. You tell me what you want me to do. Be gracious to me. But also look in verse 29 where he says, remove false ways from me. The psalmist knows the danger of lies. And how they lead to a kind of lifestyle that would just finish him off. Please remove lies. Take them away from my gaze. I wonder if you've ever been there. Have you ever been there? When you know you need almighty God. To take away the lies that are filling your mind. And to in, in, in his great strength and grace to give you the truth or else you know you're not going to make it. I'm telling you, I was there last Sunday. Like right after. Right after preaching to you, don't give up. I'm, I'm, I'm just fine to be honest with you about my struggles. I'm tempted to give up. And I find some encouragement that the psalmists over and over are tempted in the same kind of way. They're not all that strong either. So, church, I really would ask you to pray for me. Pray for me. To not let the word go, especially when I'm low. And I want to invite you to join me in that kind of conviction. That you wouldn't let the word go, especially when you're low. And I say that, I I realize you and I are not the same. Well, this is what I mean. I, I have some advantages you don't have. What I mean is, like, I'm paid. My job is to be in God's word. Like, I have to do it. <laughs> Now, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm perhaps um, in this moment really reflective. This this week will be 13 years since I started pastoring this church. So I'm reflecting on the kindness of the Lord and making me the pastor of Redeemer Church. One reason I'm so thankful is because being a pastor means I have to be in the Bible. Preaching requires deep dives into the Bible. Counseling and discipling, which I do a lot of, requires digging deep into the Word or else I can't minister the Word in any kind of deep way with where people are down in the dust and they need to hear God's Word. I'm really convinced I'm still alive as a Christian. I'm still a Christian. Because God's made me a pastor. But I'll tell you, even though I'm a pro, so to speak. When I'm low, I can be shamefully slow to open God's word.
Do you struggle this way? You and I, especially when we're low, need to go to God's word. We need to not let our devotion dip at all. And in verses 30 through 32, the psalmist is modeling for us what this means. He's laying out for us the kind of devotion that we need to have, especially when we're low. Look at this in verse 30. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. So right before he says, I'm leaving behind the way of falsehood. He's he's leaving behind the lifestyle of lies and I'm choosing to be faithful to the Lord. He says how he does that. I set my rules before me. At today, he, he might also have to say, I put my phone away from me. Huh. When I'm down, it's not people that are right in front of me. And the lies that are going on in my head. And maybe the lies of the people who are trying their best to comfort me, but they're not giving me God. I'm setting those lies aside. And what is right in front of me are your rules. It's what you say is true. It's what you say is right. That's what I have put in front of my eyes. That's what you need and I need in front of my eyes and your eyes whenever you're low. That's how you choose. I'm not going to go the way of the faithless. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. Set his rules right there. But then in verse 31, he says, I've chosen the way of faithfulness. And then what does he say in verse 31? He expresses his devotion. He doesn't let it dip by clinging to the testimonies of the Lord. One thing I love that we do in this church is we we share testimonies. Uh, we've just done this recently uh, with, when several people have been baptized before baptism. We encourage members to come up and to share exactly how it is that the Lord saved them. And I think you recognize just how wonderful it is to hear again about the wondrous works of God in the lives of others. And every summer, the, the ladies get together a few times during the summer and they hear six Women in our church share how the Lord not only saved them, but how he's still at work in them. How he's still being faithful to them. And I, I just get reports about how encouraging that is. And four times a year in midweek manna, we, we set apart one of our one of those nights to have what's what we call a testimony night. Where we share how God has specifically been faithful to us since the last time we had a testimony night. I realize it's been a little while since we've done this. It's September 20th. We're going to do it. Uh, Wednesday night, September 20th, we'll have another testimony night because we need to hear testimonies of the Lord and His faithfulness. All our testimonies, you should know this, are not about ourselves. We're not highlighting ourselves. We're highlighting the Lord and what He's doing in our lives. In verse 31, the psalmist says, whenever death is sticking to me, I am sticking to your testimonies. Your testimonies. These aren't our testimonies. It's not just us who testify to the Lord. 
It's the Lord who testifies to himself. And the good news is, all of his testimonies are about him as well. His word is the clearest record of it. It's full of testimonies of how good he is. How strong he is. How faithful he is. And if we believe what he says about him. The psalmist says in verse 31. When I cling to your testimonies. Let me not be put to shame. And he won't be put to shame. And you won't be put to shame. You will not ever regret. Ever. Taking God at his word. Trusting that God is not who you feel like he is when you're down. But who he says he is. Always. Verse 32. Then we have this third way. That he doesn't let his devotion dip. He said I have past tense. I've chosen something. And then he said I present tense. What I'm doing. I'm presently clinging to your testimonies. But then in verse 32. This third way that he's not letting his devotion dip. I future tense, I will run in the way of your commandments. I'm committed for all of my life to run in your in the way of your commandments. Whenever you enlarge my heart, that's what I can do. What he's saying is, I need you to do it. And I'm counting on you to do it. You will enlarge my heart. You will give me the strength and ability Not only notice to walk in your ways. Which is the common phrase we're used to in the Psalms. To walk or to live. But he's saying I'm going to run. That is I'm going to run to obey your commands. Every one of them. This is a man. Who when he was down. He didn't let his devotion dip. And that, that's pictured in, 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 in one of the main words in the song. David, I wonder if you saw the inclusio. Or Ben, I see Ben back there. If you saw the inclusio, I'm doing a little seminary talk. Um, the inclusio in our song, that's just Bible nerd talk for something that's said in the beginning that's brought up again in the end. In verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. In verse 31, I cling to the testimonies. What he's saying is, when he says this in the beginning and he brings that word back up again, he's saying this is the main point. Whenever your soul clings to sadness, You need to cling to scripture. That's the solution. That's why I said. In the main point of the sermon. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go of God's word. Especially when. You're low. Well one thing you need to know about the Psalms. Not only are they. 
the songs that God's people were given to sing. Um, but because these are these perfect records of how the faithful react to God in various circumstances, we also believe that the psalms were sung by the faithful one. What I mean is, this is an accurate reflection of how Jesus would live. And we, we see that, especially when Jesus was low. He would not let God's word go. That's why we read Matthew chapter 4 earlier today. Whenever Jesus uh, was confronted by the devil himself, whenever the devil was trying to derail his devotion to the Lord, what is it that Jesus did? Whenever the devil tempted him regarding the pain of hunger, Jesus would not let the word go. He quoted from Deuteronomy. I shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from God. Whenever the devil tempted to derail Jesus' devotion by appealing to a pride that was not anywhere in Jesus' heart, I will give you, uh, if you, if you jump off this top place, then, then, then the angels will save you. And, and, and he said, no, I'm not going to, to test the Lord our God. It's written down not to do it. And whenever the devil tempted to uh, Jesus to derail his devotion to the Lord by appealing to some kind of prosperity and showing out all the kingdoms of the word, if you will just worship me, then I'll give you everything. And Jesus answered with the word, even though he was low. What I'm saying is, the principles of Psalm 119 were sung by Jesus. He ran in the way of God's commandments. He clung to God's testimonies. He wouldn't let him go, especially then. But you should know that being tempted directly by the devil himself was not the lowest that Jesus had to go. Being starved in the wilderness was not the lowest. Jesus' lowest low was when he was betrayed by his own people. When he was beaten severely by Roman soldiers. When he was lifted high on a cross of shame and excruciating pain. And then he would not let God's word go. It was God's word that he spoke. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He clung to the truth of Psalm 22. He found in David's experience in Psalm 22, someone, the king, the Christ, who would suffer in the place of others even though he didn't deserve it. And that's how Jesus is interpreting what's happening to him on the cross. That he's dying as if he was a sinner. Because he knew he was dying in the place of countless sinners. But you know, that's not all that Psalm 22 says. Why have you forsaken me, God? Psalm 22 also says, and I think this is what Jesus was clinging to. My God will save me. 
and I will tell of your name in the congregation. I will speak again after this death and I will tell everyone who fears the Lord what he has done through me and all the families of the earth will come worship the Lord through me. He knew on the cross he was taking away everything that would separate us from God. And so, if you can recognize like I can that I just have not lived up to this one passage even, that I do not deserve the Lord, that I do not think of the Lord enough. That I do not turn to the Lord enough. If you've come to that realization, do you also realize that means you deserve hell to be punished by the Lord? But you can believe and reach out by faith to the one who did not fail. The one who did not let go of God's word also promises not to let go of you and all your failures if you will trust in Him alone and turn from your sins. Would you trust in Christ? I wonder, what will you do whenever you're down? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would cause this word to bear fruit. That you would make a people who don't let your word go. Even though the worst in life happens to us. That we would then know our need to cling to Christ. And by your grace, we would find in him not only forgiveness for our failures, but also the faithfulness we need to be delivered. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.